Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to this moment, your transatlantic bridge between Stockholm, Sweden and Harlem, USA with myself, Jason Diakite, a.k.a. Timbuktu, and my dear brother and co-host with the absolute co-most, uh, Chef Marcus Samuelson. How you doing, Marcus? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, it's. Uh, I was looking forward to talk to you just to catch up. And uh, it's always exciting, in, you know, in between those weeks when we get a chance to talk because there's always some of the stuff that we talked about when that comes into fruition. Sometimes it's super light and sometimes it's heavier, but it's always interesting. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to talk to Jason yeah, yeah, about yeah. it. But something that we discussed here at length, Slatan, uh, of course, and now at 39, he's coming back to the national team, which I think... Uh, it's, it's, it could be very interesting and uh, see how the team's going to react on that. I, I was the team I, qualified for I the saw, Euro. I saw him. I saw him without him. I saw him in the newspaper today. It's like Slatan's back in stock. It was like, oh shit, I better keep a low profile because if he sees me and he hears, <laughs> he hears I've been talking shit about him on the podcast. Like, I got to watch the hell out, man. No, but seriously, that's no, it's you huge. didn't talk it's shit huge. about no, him. No, it didn't. But you know, um, yeah. I think it's still huge that, that he could come back at 39, uh, step back oh, into the national team. Oh, I see what you do now. You talk, I see what you do. You try to, to, to <laughs> trying to back. It's oh. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard you in no. town, Z. Uh, you know, we still love you. So, Marcus, what have you been reading about in the, in the news lately? Well, it's a lot, you know, obviously um, on the U.S. border, or the southern border, there's a lot of stuff going on there. And um, the Biden administration are navigating through it. It is not easy. And then for me, the biggest news was, you know, what we discussed as hate crime or not in this country, right? There was a shooting in Atlanta that this guy shot up Asian massage parlors. And the way the police captain discussed it he just was casually saying oh this guy had a bad day and this is what mm. happened when he had a bad I saw day that. Yeah. I mean, and this oh, we've seen this example of justification of when young white male pick up a gun rifle shoot up people it's always sort of talked about in a way of yeah the boy just had a bad day or we remember this from the killings in the Carolina churches. We remember this, what happened in Wisconsin, right? It's constantly this, like when a young white male is out there and really killing and hurting innocent mm. people. It's talking about I, I, I forget way. about his, uh, and, I forget his name and, and I don't want to remember it, but the young, the young man who killed two people in, um, in Milwaukee, was it? Yeah. yeah. Same yeah. thing there, you know, sure. the, the way he was mm -hmm. treated by police, given water, etc. So, yeah. And this is this is something, and so the discussion then gets around: Was this a hate crime? Oh, no doubt about it, or not? No, no, no doubt or about was it. it um, and then this is anti-Asian, anti-Asian, you know, anti-Asian violence. Sure, but I mean, the, so the, the the police captain says, "Oh no, it wasn't a hate crime because he said he had a sex addiction." First of all, why would you take the word of Someone who just killed eight mm. people, right? The first thing you should do is show empathy to the families that just lost mm. one, mm. right? Rather than be so quick on taking the word 
of a yeah, killer. Like his narrative, right? and his narrative killer. of what happened becomes the police reality. It's ridiculous. You know, and, and that, that's my whole point, because it's like all of a sudden you're giving this killer a huge platform and his narrative gets out there, which now, you know, we all know what this is fueled mm. from, right? When you're from the highest pulpit been saying stuff like um, the virus came from this country or they're calling it the, the martial arts uh, virus, whatever mm. the hate has well, we know where it comes from. Kung from, flu, from the China yeah, we virus. From, we, we know where course, this comes all from. All of that stuff. We know what this is a result so, of, so, you know. Yeah, and then people can interpret that. And so it was just fascinating to me where the, where the police officers are just like standing there and saying, oh, the narrative of the killer is now more important than the empathy shown to, the victims, to the families. Yeah. So, yeah, and it, it's, it's No, just but Marcus, you know, I've been, so. you know, in Sweden as well. I've been around many, a, you know, uh, uh, in many a situation and many a conversation over this past year, the year of the pandemic, where... People like, oh, well, you know, the Chinese and uh, they, they, you know, um, the way they, uh, uh, you know, the way their markets, uh, the, the way their wet markets work and, and more or less kind of saying, well, if they were more civilized, you know, or, and less savage then you know, blaming China for the entire pandemic is. And it, I, you know. It's a hard one to pick up and and but I've but it's definitely something that I've heard echoed from a lot of places. And then what happened in Atlanta is obviously the the most and most gruesome violence that that has result that type of sentiment has resulted in, but we've seen a lot of uh there's been a lot of incidents of anti-Asian violence going on and then kind of culminating in what happened in Atlanta. Oh, it's been going mm. up with hundreds and hundreds mm. of percent, and it's 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 horrible, mm. you know. And there's videos of this, and this comes from all aspects. I mean, I called up. I mean, I have a great a bunch of great chefs that are from the Asian American community, just to mention a few. Actually, Kristen Kristen Kirsch is an amazing chef. Um, she would like to, you know, she's going to come mm. on this mm. moment and break it down for you and me and for our listeners what this year have meant and mm. and 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 so on. Uh, another friend of mine, Ming, Ming Tsai, and I, we talked uh, the, the next day just to not only to show solidarity, but actually to talk and see how you're mm. doing. You know I, I, mean? I, spoke to, I, I spoke to my friend, my dear friend, Trisha Wong, and, and I'll be inviting her mm. on to this moment also. But I just spoke to her briefly on the phone and she said, you know what? And, and her, her partner is my other dear friend, uh, Kenyatta Cheese, is, uh, is African Chinese, African-American. Uh, she said, mm. you know, when... When something happens in the in the African American community and there's racist violence, you know he gets a lot of condolence or con not condolences, but you know um, people reach out and say, "Yo, this is crazy. Yeah. Heard this has happened." And she she was really like, you know, uh, surprised how few people had kind of reached out or or just like uh, uh, offered a sympathetic hand. So I think it's really it's dope that you've that you've called people in your network and just been like, yeah. You know, uh, sta standing yeah, in, standing and, and in I, sympathy with, standing in solidarity with each other, yes. even when it's across. Because this is like, it's it's really interesting. Okay, Marcus. So I was with my friend, uh, who's a Chinese American, and he, you know, I would when I was living in New York, I'd go like the Rooster was my second home. It was my living room, as you know. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd be mm -hmm. in Harlem all the time. Mm -hmm. 
And and so I was yeah. talking to my friend and he was from Brooklyn and he said, yeah, I've never really been, you know, out in Harlem. And I was like, what? You kidding? I mean, you're from New York. How can you not have been out in Harlem? So, you know, obviously invited him. We went to the Rooster, a gang of us uh, had mm -hmm. dinner. And then afterwards we uh, walked up, you know, uh, 125th and then went up Adam Clayton Powell because I said, let's go to. Uh, well, first we went to Paris Blues and then we walked up to the shrine. Nice. And, sure. you know, I just noticed along the course of the evening that he was getting, you know, comments, nothing, nothing aggressive. But, you know, we walked into one place and the doorman's like, uh, it's like, hey, hey, where's your sword? And, you know, uh, another place they were like, what's up, Bruce Lee? You know, that that, wow. you know, small things that I was like, yeah, microaggressions. Yeah, yeah, microaggressions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not only mm -hmm. coming from. Uh, from white people, but also from, you know, just people in general who aren't Asian. But it's all about, and I think that we have to learn how do we build sort of solidarity mm. outside the communities that definitely don't look no, like ours. True. Because the the core of the, those hate crimes uh, or violent acts are the same, yeah. right? And it's about installing fear. It's installing something that we got superior, superior over you. And, uh, you know, th that, has, that can be crushed with many I different I totally ways. agree, Marcus. I, I totally agree. And I also think that we have to insert ourselves into the reality and the, and the, the world we live in where we gladly and happily consume cultures, you know, whether it be food, mm. uh, music, from across the board, right, globally. But to remember yeah. to also stand in solidarity with those communities that we're, you know, eating from or listening to, yeah. you know. And I, as you know, I've talked about it before on the podcast, you know, last year I was, had kind of a wake-up call when I saw how many of my fellow, um, or how, how many uh, uh, people in the Swedish hip-hop community weren't really standing in solidarity with with the uprising and with the with the movement. And... And that to me was a bit of a shock because I was like, whoa, but you, you know, you built your livelihood. You learned all your, you learned all the skills of the trade from this culture, but you can't stand in solidarity with it when it needs you. It was, and, and I put myself into that too, in other aspects where I, you know, especially when, when it comes to food, because we so fluidly uh, cross borders, right. And, mm. and consume like, you know, I love Chinese food, for example, but am I able to empathize and be in solidarity with uh, Asian people when they're going through stuff? It, that's just one for me to remind myself of, basically. Food is one of the best way to learn about a very local Asian conversation, mm. right? Like a Japanese and a Chinese can have things that they share, but obviously very, very different in other aspects, the Thai and and somewhere from from Singapore mm -hmm. or somebody from let's say India that is also Asian American mm -hmm. can have completely okay. different. So we're learning all that from this moment of solidarity to the Asian American community to Asian stop Asian hate anywhere, and uh, we go from there. Hey. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm, I'm going to take this opportunity because, you know, well, this moment is basically our, our living room. It's our transatlantic bridge that we invite our listeners into and so I'm just going to take an opportunity to throw a little dart out. You know, uh, the one of the absolute biggest TV shows in Sweden right now is called The Thin Blue Line, and uh, it's a police mm-hmm. uh, it's a police uh, show about Malmo, the city where I lived ten years that I have a deep love for. Which, but it, which is also the most multicultural and I would say in a way integrated Swedish big city uh, because you have something very unique in Malmo and that is uh, an area called Möllevångstoyet which is basically a uh, immigrant neighborhood with low rents uh, in the center of town and oh, you've been to Malmo Marcus you know you know you definitely know the difference yeah. uh, how how Malmo feels considerably more like if you're in Hamburg or Berlin than Gothenburg or Stockholm Mm-hmm. Anyway, so this police show and people love it. You know, it's gotten rave reviews and, you know, meeting a lot of people who who really talk talk it up. And to me, I'm like, really? Y'all like this? You know, I said it was so real. It's a, the, the reality level of it is so dope. And really all the all the, you know, 99 percent of the main characters are, of course, white. Uh, the writers, directors, all you know, all, you know, Swedish, ethnic Swedes. And I just am taken aback of how, again, you know, um, immigrants who show up in the show are either criminals or they're crazy and they don't get to have the same thing that you were saying that the the police uh, chief in Atlanta was saying about um, this man who murdered all these Asian women humanizing him right saying oh well he just had a bad day and giving him giving him uh, a a story and a background and a reason and and a humanistic because we can all have a bad day so it makes it relatable and somebody who feels bad and so forth and uh that's really one of the main bones i have to pick with this uh, tv show that that all of the all of the non-europeans that show up in it are criminals or bad and they never get that chance of an explanation, reasons, uh, uh, humanism, right? 
And that's a very kind of old way of portraying things. And then my second bone to pick with it, my second bone, I just got to throw it out there. There's no hip hop in the entire show. And I'm like, okay, that to me is just unreal. You can never portray the streets of Malmo without the sounds of the streets of Malmo, you know. Malmo is, it's the, it's the, the only true metropolitan melting pot of Sweden. If you walk down Istagatan, you have Laotian grocer, you have the Iranian grocer, you have the Vietnamese restaurant, the Syrian restaurant, you have the Iraqi espresso bar, the Chinese dumplings, but also, you know, it's the sounds of, of Beirut, of Baghdad, of Mosul, of Tehran, of, of uh, you know, of... Uh, Ho Chi Minh City of uh, Addis Abeba. Definitely Mogadishu is in the building, you know, of Dakar, of Accra. You know, it, it's just truly the, the one metropolitan melting pot of Sweden. And the soundtrack to all this is trap music, hip hop music from the United States. It's the number one thing blasting from cars. Of course, you'll hear your, you know, your famed Arabic uh, uh, singers pouring out of some big Benzes driving past. But you, but you definitely out of the out of the shops, out of the cars, you're hearing that 808s rumbling, just like you're on 125th or, or or on 116th. You know, it's a place that I really, really love and have a lot of love for. It's a dynamic, creative, uh, uh, just powerhouse of a place. And that's why, to me, when you name a series The Thin Blue Line, when you portray the, the police force as innately and unproblematically good and well-intended, but upholding and fighting against the chaotic criminal society that they're forced to be in. Um, and then, at, on the other hand, all of the non-European lives that are, are portrayed are not where they, they're not portraying non-european lives they're just people doing crimes that don't have reasons for why how they ended up there and why they do it you know that to me becomes a, a, a two-dimensional unreal way of portraying reality and as i said to my friend the, the TV series, The Thin Blue Line, feels like somebody who's never been to Malmo goes to Malmo and writes a postcard to somebody else who's never been to Malmo, uh, claiming to have experienced it. So, yeah, just a, just a little detour I just wanted well, to take. That, anyway, let's... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a detour. I'm not at all surprised that Sweden fell for it and those cop shows that started in America it, in the 80s and are basically yeah. on its way out because they were labeled racist. I'm not at all surprised that now being picked up in Sweden and getting, I mean, yeah. that title also, A yeah. Thin Blue Line, you know, it really, it's a blend mm -hmm. between two titles, right? It's actually, there's an amazing Terrence Malick line, movie yeah. called A Thin Red Line, which is like, Absolutely amazing. But then also, of course, the blue line, it's obviously a, a play of, of the American words in terms of how police officers sort of um, uh, identify the, the blue wall or the blue line, it's, depending it's on implying, how it is. Implying but, that the um, police are the, 
are the kind of membrane between civilization and chaos, you know, upholding civilization. Mm -hmm. And the, the expression, the thin red line, actually comes from the Crimean War, where the Brits held off the Russians mm -hmm. and the Brits in their red uniforms formed the, red, the thin red line that, you know, held the, the big bad East from, from kicking the, the butt of the, mm -hmm. the West. So it, it really speaks to something that, uh, yeah, we could talk more about this, you know, uh, but I have a lot to say on this, but it's just a, a short little detour. I'm not going to take it further right now. Uh, everyone who's a fan of the thin blue line uh, can, can email the show, you know, email us, let us know what you think. We're open for it. It's, it's controversy season now. So, mm. so on a positive, <laughs> more exciting news, uh, I just want to give a shout out to uh, Elaine yeah, yeah. Bosak, you know, <laughs> Elaine Bosak. I, one of our number one know. fans. Uh, number and I know one that this, do we need to do some clearance on who Absolutely. Elaine Bosak so is Elaine Bozak is my dear, sweet mother. Uh, I love you, mom. Thank you for always <laughs> listening to the show. I mean, she always calls like on to, so she'll call me tomorrow when the episode is posted, like, boom, I heard mm -hmm. the episode. I loved it. Like, give me feedback straight, you know? Uh, like is more, like yes. is less, you know. But she's always there. Boom! It's it's we're a part of her uh, of yes. her, you know, podcast diet. She talks about how during the COVID she's been listening a lot to. Po uh, she talks about how during COVID she's been listening to podcast uh, as a way so for her to, sort of to stay up on news and so on. She listened to this moment, seen on radio. Um, she listened to just various different platforms between America and Sweden. And she she also talks a lot about Jason, power to music <laughs> and the spoken and written word. Keep on keeping on. Love from Lund. And that yeah, word, yeah, yeah. keep on keeping on, that that's mm -hmm, kind of like a mm -hmm. 60s or a 70s shout yeah. out that you don't hear that often. And I love that. I just love that and, part. And, so and, we, we love to hear you from also, you. And you also, Marcus, of course, have a special uh, place in her heart. You know, let, let me just share with the listeners that Marcus Samuelson, you know, you, the, the, the world famous chef has not been to Lund very many times. And, and the last time, <laughs> you know, chef was in Lund, I wasn't there. So I, you know, if I were there, I could, you know, take you around and so forth. That was okay. I didn't even know, Marcus, that you were going there. I think I was in New York at the time. My mom knew. Yeah. So my mom comes down yeah. to the bookstore where Marcus is doing his talk and mm -hmm. basically, well, you know, raised her hand and I'm like, I'm Jason's mom and, and said, Come. and after you were done with your signing mm -hmm. was like, come on, Marcus, took you to her favorite coffee shop. I'm sure introduced you to some people along the way, um, you know, took on that uh, ambassadorship or host hostship of, uh, you know, the unofficial mayor of Lund. I, and, and then she, she called me and she's like, yeah, Marcus was here. We went around, I introduced him and I'm like, that's beautiful, mom. Beautiful. So, I'll tell you, you know what, there's so much more to that. Uh, she not only did was she active mm -hmm. in the book session, she literally took me to four <laughs> or five of her favorite spots. Yeah. But not only that, in every place, you can tell that she's been there mm -hmm. many, many times before because it was greetings. And this is my point about that mm -hmm. she lives a full life. Maybe the youngest person she greeted was mm -hmm. 19 or 20, mm -hmm. definitely a student. And the oldest, maybe mm. 70, 75. And everywhere we went, she had had numerous mm. interaction with this person. And I just like, 
wow, she's mm -hmm. living a full, full life, right? And she just made that, you know how it is, you, hit, you come to town, you do your thing, and then you either got to get back or maybe you stay over. I didn't stay over. I went back to Malmö. And she just completely, and we have this great um, yeah, 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 selfie yeah. we took together because it was yeah. just like it's a great memory. And, you know, for me, it's like you could clearly say, tell, like she's not, she's curious. She's talking to people. She's passionate about, there was somebody that raised money for a bookstore. <laughs> she was part of that. There was somebody that wanted to keep a cafe going. She was part of that. So for me, it's like she just... Her curiosity feeds her. Just on the end, Marcus, if you can find that selfie, we got to post it to our uh, This Moment Instagram. Oh. I haven't seen it. I, I got to check that out. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days, you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Obviously, COVID uh, mm. taught us many things. And I'm, I'm just going to tell mm -hmm. you a little bit here, Jason, how it was for me. I was really, really scared in the beginning to how do I keep feeding my mm -hmm. creativity? Mm -hmm. I didn't even know does COVID now mean that I, I got to stop cooking. And for me, it was really important to figure out how do I stay creative? And I just wanted for us to go back and forth a little bit about, uh, Jason, did you keep writing during COVID? I know you've, you know, you, you're going to come out with an album. So I guess, was it different for you to make an album during COVID? You know what? Marcus, I think there's a similar link between us. So during 2020, uh, my dear friends, Colleen and Chords and I, and, and my other friend, Jules Lamar, wrote, an wrote and recorded an album together. But even before that, what led me to that was, as you know, and I've spoken about before and spoken to you about it, was that when COVID, the great, you know, disruptor, was a fact in my life and you know instead of spending last spring in new york uh doing a drop of midnight live at harlem stage and and taking that on the road to san francisco and dc chicago la i came back to sweden and and that's a beautiful thing you know i had a home to go to a family here but as far as what i was going to do with my time i was at a loss i, I was there was nothing i was empty i was i was I was mourning, you know, I was mourning, I, I was mourning mm -hmm. uh, plans that never happened, plans that I had been making and, and meticulously kind of aiming for and putting my energy into for a year and a half. And it just boom, like that over the course of 12 hours, 36 hours, it was gone. Um, and it took me back to when I was 14, 15, 16, 17. What would I do then after school? I'd write a verse. I'd write a verse every day from I was 14 till I was probably about, you know, 29, more or less. Uh, you know, after 25, maybe, of course, or after, yeah, after 25, 26, I wasn't writing every, every day, but more or less, there was no week that would go by without me at least writing one song, you know. Um, but then as I got older, I was doing more other things, you know, uh, and uh, my last album came out, came out 2014. And then I released my first uh, uh, book, my, my only my only uh, uh, kind of long book. I've done a few more, a few other books, but in, in 2016 and I was away from the mic. I was away from the pen and pad, you know, um, and this brought me back to 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 my core creative outlet, which is writing rap verses, writing rhymes, rhymes about, uh, about sorrow, about happiness, about anger, about standing in line at the pharmacy, about trying to cook a meal that I'm failing with, about you know trying to get my daughter to get dressed or whatever is happening in my life, I rhyme about it. That's the core of my creative being. And COVID took me back to that. And that's what then led me back into the studio to record the album. 
And uh, I just, what I'm speculating on is, is, you know, Marcus, you're one of the most busy men, busy people I know. Uh, I know you probably don't have the same amount of time to, I imagine your core creative being is being in the kitchen. Even, even when you're off the line and when you're done, you know, staying in the kitchen, inventing new recipes, trying new emulsions, trying new, you know, dishes, uh, uh, working on your craft and trade. But then as time goes by, of course, you're adding on to, to your, your reach and your horizon is bigger and bigger. So we don't have as no- enough, as much time to spend in me in the booth and you on the line. I imagine it. Uh, yeah, but I mean, for me, the core of being a chef, right? For me, it actually starts with that balance between pen and paper. You got to write food. You got to think about food. Then you got to go up and learn the craft to execute on it, and then you go. So, so just like a painter, it's very. Uh, it's a singular craft that then becomes a team craft, right? But it really starts with that idea. And very often, I think when COVID hit, I was worried that that how do I now craft that idea? How do I manifest that idea? These things that I fell in love with, right? The balance between sweet, salt, sour, bitter, mm. heat, umame, and all of the different flavor combinations that we can, how do we experience it through aesthetics, through texture, mm. through fragrance, right? Like I devoted my whole life about those pillars, but also then through the great people that mm. I collaborate with. And because this very thing was that we had to stay away from one another, would I just cook for my family? Mm. So I started there, right? And when, and when you cook for, the first for your four family, months, what's we, usually like, what's... What can a weekday, you know, dinner or whatever look like? Is it Ethiopian mostly or is it, how, how do you, do you open the fridge I, and see what's there? I started that's, actually. That's a lot of times what I do, you know. It, yeah, it could be, but it's, it's more also, I mean, just like you said, you were ri- rhyming about waiting online and you were writing mm. on very mundane everyday things. Same thing was for me. I was standing in a line waiting one hour mm. to get into the store. And, uh, of course, which we have to accept, it's Harlem, so mm. no deliveries were accepted, right? So we had to go there, right? Just that idea mm. that we have to accept that no deliveries. Okay, that one hour I was thinking mm. about my grandmother a lot. And then it was that moment we decided to be vegetarian forward mm. for the next six months. Because I'm like, there's no way I'm going to wait an hour in the mm. store to get into the store and then also be in the store to wait another 45 mm. minutes on the protein line. Right. So not looking at that as negative, but really looking at that. Okay, here's an opportunity. So my everyday cooking for my family then was maybe go beyond pasta and roasted vegetables Mm. for a vegetarian dish, you know, go deeper in um, maybe fonio, things like that. Like, of course, quinoa has been part of it and couscous, but go a little bit deeper on certain Mm. grains in certain ways. But there are also other techniques whole roast vegetables, treat them like fish, treat them like meat. So thinking about that, and then once you do this, asking the same questions, where does the fat come from? What is this texture? How does this impact Where does the umami come from? Right? Where where, where is is umami and vegetables, right? 
Yeah, but but yes. tell me, did, did any mushrooms, yeah yeah yeah? Mushrooms. And, and nowadays, I'll take like we spend mm -hmm. a lot of time picking mushrooms, as you know, in Sweden, uh, and we spend the fall mm -hmm. in the forest every weekend picking mushrooms. My dad thinks thinks it's insanity. By the way, he has a, uh, one of his friends from the Caribbean who was invited to some Swedish people for dinner and uh, and got really sick from eating some mushrooms that they had picked. And ever since just hearing that story, my dad doesn't eat mushrooms at all. <laughs> at all so he thinks i'm crazy <laughs> for eating mushrooms but anyway um uh just drying them and and uh and uh like crushing them in the mortar and then putting it into sauces just to mm -hmm. get you know some of that magnificent flavor that you can get from mushrooms but what did any yeah. like inspiration for new dishes come out of that did you did that take you back to your core is what yeah, i'm uh, what i'm getting at ton i mean we we have especially in red rooster miami i would say 30 40 percent of the menu is vegetarian forward when i say vegetarian forward there might be meat and fish in there but more to support mm. the vegetables mm. versus before it was main protein five to seven ounces and then there was mm. vegetable to support so like the main like entree. doing a butternut squash but then sprinkling bonito on it just to get the extra kick more than exactly. it so it being a yeah, uh, uh, the featuring artist, but not the main artist. Yeah, and then just the thought process on on and all of that, right? And and uh, I I the writing the food, the thinking about the food, but also then how do we advance the craftsmanship of it? Thinking about non dairy based butter, using that more. Thinking through mm. fermentation. Thinking through pickling, mm. preserving. And serving, definitely, I see that. Because you know, if you if you're not going to get fresh veggies every day, so how can you get them to keep? How mm -hmm. can you get those carrots to keep? You know, and how can you keep something after a season? For example, you know, we had a lot of you know, you have great tomato season in, you know, and mm. it's basically in September, first week of October in New York. But then you know, if you sun dry, if you oven dry mm. them, or if you pickle them, you can have great tomatoes in a beautiful quinoa for example mm, mm, in mm. january if you preserve them so just thinking about through thinking about things like this but for me you know for me it was more about mm. the fear of having the creativity being the, the 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 platform of our creativity being taken away and of course you can't take away creativity you just have to mm. go elsewhere but those first months that probably what i manifested mm. my fear in once I got on the other side of that come July mm. or something like that. I, I, it was not a financial, mm. we made it. It was like creative, big sigh of relief of say, okay, there is mm. an audience on the other mm. side. We can now bring people to it. Once I had that, mm. I was that good. took you to the rise too. And I, I mm. was more, it, it did, but mm. it's a different medium. Mm. It was a writing True. medium only, but I felt so much fear mm. of losing mm. that. That was my big, mm. and it kept me up at night. And then when you don't sleep right, mm -hmm. now your day is mm -hmm. not right. So I'm just saying from a creative, and we obviously work with our creativity differently and it's sometimes interact, but you know, COVID, once you start collaborating, like four of my chefs mm. have had mm. COVID, right? We now have the protocol, one chef has it, stay home two weeks, pa 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 pa, get tested again, they're in. But that, those were things that we, the only way to work through that was actually mm. to learn mm. about them, right? And each time it's a shock because we feel like we're doing 
all the we don't we don't crowd the kitchen. We have less menu items on. But every time it happens, it's mm. damn. How could this happen? But obviously, we can't control the chef's mm. life completely because when they're out of the kitchen, maybe they go mm. and meet another person, and maybe they mm. caught it from mm. else mm. somewhere else, right? But these are the type of things that, and even for you, Jason, right? Before, when you were in the studio, maybe you were like fifth, five, eight, ten mm -hmm. guys in the studio at the same time. What, did anything change for you yeah, yeah. in making music? I, before I time? answer that question, I just want to say, Marcus, that for me, and this is probably a, a menu from Red Rooster from about two, maybe three years ago. But there was a, there was. A, I don't even know if it was an all out, all out app or it was just like a, a you know, one of the small dishes. Yeah, like some kind special, of special. Yeah, but yeah. there was a dish on there that I saw it. I didn't order it because uh, I'm not a f super big fan of Gravlax, but I just saw it, and to me, you that dish is so you and so uniquely you, and it was mm. Gravlax on Injera, served on 125th <laughs> and Lennox, and that is like that's Gothenburg, it's Addis, and it's Harlem. In one dish, and it's not even, it's just like a, uh, it's it's not even the main instrument. It's a little side, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's a little side thing. It's also the Swedish yeah, exactly. And I just love that because I saw it and I was like smiling and like pointing out to the people I'm with. I'm like, this is only Marcus would think about doing this, can yeah. do this, and has done it, you know. Boom. Now you have Gravlax mm -hmm. on an Injera mm -hmm. in Thanks. Harlem. How do you, how, what leads you to, like, how do you get your ideas, basically? And, and hmm. narrative is important. So I would say 50% of the menu of Red Rooster is driven from hmm. the migration. So it's a, it's the cuisine that I was, I did not grow up with, but the great migration from hmm. the southern states and the black southerners coming up north, that is 50%. Then I would say the other 50 is really hmm. immigrant driven. Right, because I look east of me, of us, right? You have Spanish Harlem that was, and beyond Spanish Harlem, you had mm -hmm. Finnish Harlem, Jewish Harlem, Italian Harlem. So once you start to look at the landscape of the immigration to Harlem, being Swedish in Harlem, I'm just following the footsteps of mm. other immigrants. So for me, 50% should be definitely in the African American experience, South Carolina, Virginia coming up north. And the other 50 should really be about an immigrant experience in Harlem. So that's really, yeah. once that is set, I draw my inspiration mm. from mm. that. And, but do you find yourself, do you so find yourself like on those nights where you can't sleep going down into your, uh, your family's kitchen and like starting to just experiment with stuff? As a, as a therapy, uh, not as therapy, as therapy, but it just to, just to create, you know? Yeah. I mean, I run into ingredients constantly that are obviously not new ingredients, mm. but they're new to me. And I'll tell you an example. Let's say that uh, there's an ingredient that's becoming popular as a superfood, but it's been in the Caribbean forever. It's called yeah, 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 sea moss, yeah. right? Yeah. So very often it's in a juice or something like that, but it's mm. also it's a thickener. So... If I then want to do a dish, let's say I'm just saying butter poached mm. lobster. Now I want to think forward. I don't want to po poach in regular adair-based 
butter. So maybe I start thinking about this in a mm. in a plant based butter. Hmm. But still, the butter I want it to be like mm. Ethiopian mm. kebe, spiced butter, right? Yeah. Which is the spiced butter out Ethiopian of Ethiopia. G- ghee, so I go and get right? yeah. Yeah, basically Ethiopian ghee. So now mm-hmm. I have a plant-based butter that I poach the mm-hmm. lobster in, and I have the spices like an Ethiopian kebe, and then my sauce now would be based on lobster stock mm-hmm. thickened with sea moss, right? So now we have that, and then maybe then I'll do some pearls of slow-roasted toasted quinoa just mm-hmm. for crunch, mm-hmm. right? And I want to create them like popcorn because that would be a pop mm-hmm. and a texture rice that would mm-hmm. be pretty mm-hmm. interesting, right? And then maybe we'll serve them with, let's say, another veggie that would be, or something that would be really crisp and ripe. So let's say I would take Persian mm-hmm. cucumber, I would salt them the way we salt Kravlax, add mm-hmm. berbere, mm-hmm into that and maybe just a hint of toasted coconut seeds, coconut flakes, just Mm. to get the Caribbean Mm -hmm. sort of tying around it and boom, we have a dish, right? And that, so that's kind of like... And this has to happen after hours or before you open, like this kind of, like building new, yeah. Yeah, but that dish would, I would actually start with my Mm. oldest sister, Anna, because she's half right. Jamaican, half Swedish. So the lobster mm-hmm. would be the Swedish reference. The mm-hmm. Caribbean, the Jamaican reference would be yeah, all moss, from her coconut, side. Yeah. And maybe it would be like... Ethiopia yes, the, the, and go there, and the right? Yeah, And it's all in there. That's what I mean. It's all, all the fibers are in there. See, also when you do that, Marcus, that's only happened like once or twice. It was around Thanksgiving last time. When you start going off talking about ingredients mm. and how you treat... To mm. me, that's like you're rapping, mm. you know? You're spitting. You're spitting your thing. It's like when we talk about music, you know, and I remember when I was when I was a kid and I got to uh, uh, hang out with ADL, who's the the greatest MC to ever come out of Scandinavia and come backstage with him after a gig and or before a gig. And then he invited me on and I, I could, you know, I could rap, but I wasn't. I wasn't on his level and he's there with stone mm-hmm. funkers like one of the big bands in sweden mm-hmm. and it's like come on in do your thing and he knew i wasn't ready but he knew i was a student you know i was hungry, hungry. i wanted to be yeah. i made sure i was there in where this could happen to me and he saw it and rewarded that you know and it's really a, that kind of mentorship and uh, it's such a beautiful thing and you know, I just felt I felt a bond with Joel when he was speaking about you from that food perspective as the same mm. way I speak about what I saw ADL do on stage and in, you mm. know, on record in 1992, 1993. It's uh, that's what my core, that's what my, the knowledge of what I do comes from. Mm. That's where it comes from. That's where it started. That's. That's a source. I was there because I wanted to. I I was eager to get that knowledge, get that, learn the skill, but I didn't yet have it. But somebody saw it and said, "Come, come with me out." You know, I'll give you. I'll give you a minute. But th- but you know, when you get that minute, you have to. You like you have oh, to yeah, deliver. Like you fuck up, you, you might not get that minute again. You know. Can I can I ask you about this album though? Because of COVID. Was it practices that you had to change? Sure. Um, 
because you, could, you no, couldn't just be in the same because room. nobody wanted to even be in the studio like Jens didn't want me to of course didn't want to have people in the studio he didn't know like you you know we, we weren't supposed to be mm-hmm. doing it we weren't supposed to be getting together so that's why all i could do was write raps in my office where i am right now and then record them and put them out on instagram mm-hmm. but that brought me back to my student mm-hmm. days you know trying to get on adl's nice, mic nice days nice. you know um yeah and just a little a well, huge shout out to my brother adl he's also uh, the person who's been posting a lot about cmos lately uh so that's how i even know about it yeah. so he's he's still schooling me and um so it's interesting you're bringing it yeah. up but so that was one practice but also obviously we delayed releasing it because of the pandemic right so the album mm-hmm. was more or less done in june you know uh but we couldn't mm-hmm. release it so then it's you know it's hard to just let that kind of you know to leave that june 2020 or maybe say august it was done like leave that august not don't touch it until it's time to release so obviously i've touched it i've you know we've redone stuff i've added on stuff so um you know because i couldn't just let it like it, it doesn't just go into a compartment where i don't touch it for those months before it's released and then I speak to a label last fall and they're like, well, the pandemic, la, la, la. They're like, we see a, re- a, a good release date for this August 2021. And of course, you know, in my mind, I'm like, guys, that's so <laughs> far off. Like, this is, you know, this is a fresh, uh, this is a, it's you milk. Know, it, it's milk. It's, it'll be, pa- exactly, yeah. it's milk. This is past due. It'll be sour milk by then. They're like, don't worry. It's just. You know, and I know I've, I've got experience. I've done so many albums. It's always like this. It's been a while, but yet still, I still have that, you know, uh, that feeling. So Chords and I are going into the studio, uh, uh, you know, tomorrow to, to record a new track that we're working on. So it's still still kind of messing with it, you know, uh, twisting it. Now, I would say we get together. We've been the most uh, four people in the studio. Yeah. Uh, but but at the mm-hmm. same time, the reality of it is that people are still getting sick here, um, you know, it, and it's it, yeah, it, no, it actually came back. Now it's happening again to people in my kind of uh, to my friends. Um, mm-hmm. You know, November was really bad. Almost every mm-hmm. other conversation, somebody either had it or their partner had it or their mom had it or their Not brother sure. or sister had it. Uh, and now it's kind of coming back to that, you know. So we're we're not yeah. out of the woods. No way. No, I love hearing that you talk about your creativity and going back to Stone Funkers. And you know, I, I can't believe you talking about Stone Funkers and don't give a shout out oh, to Gotham oh, Break oh, City. But, but that's, that's okay. That's, that's okay. In that's okay. There, bro. I mean, that's if okay. I'm talking about Stone Funkers, that is a shout out to Gothenburg City. You know, that is a shout yes, out to Gothenburg yes, yes. City. No doubt. But but as we mm. as we're wrapping up here. Two things. Our guy, Ooh, fantastic Negrito, yes. did it again. Yep. Mm-hmm. Won a Grammy again. Big up, Xavier. Big up. So, And it shows that mm-hmm. originality and creativity. When I think about uh, fantastic, I always think about his originality and, and our conversation that uh, we had on. And, and so I was really nervous and saw that he won, was really, really excited. And... Uh, a couple of great musicians have mm-hmm. decided to come on, and we're going to have some great conversations l- down the road with an amazing 
a musician that you know well, Robert Glasper, and he also won a Grammy. Mm -hmm. So he's coming on that we were very, very excited about. But the last one that I just like sort of like just got a text mm. as we were speaking. Oh no, no, no. And I okay, just was like, me. okay, I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait to tell Jason. So big up. We're gonna have the enormous pleasure to bring on this moment. Mr. Rastaman himself, Woo! Ziggy Marley. Wow. So wow. get your get your Rastafari wow. question on, man. Because okay. come correct, because yes, Ziggy is coming on that this moment. That is beautiful, Marcus. That is beautiful. Yo, yo, yo. I got I, I got right. one. I got to pick All up right, side, brother. So I got to go. <laughs> Zion ain't waiting. Take Zion care, ain't brother. waiting. Peace. <laughs> Take care, peace. <laughs> Take care, brother. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.